What's up, folks? Thank you for joining another edition of Hitting the High Notes. As always, the Jazz are still hitting them high notes. Uh, Jazz are riding a 10-game win streak, and we're here to talk about that and much more. It is I, Hootran, host here. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Hootran Superman. And I'm, uh, I'm here joined with um, uh, the 49er loving, the Ute loving, the Jazz loving. Go the distance, 49. Nice. Jared Barker, what's up, man? Oh hey man, not not much, you know. Just uh, excited to keep watch the Jazz keep winning and uh, 49ers too, you know. Super Bowl on the way. You're uh, you're so excited that you just can't hide it. And uh, we have <laughs> a very special guest today, uh, Jared. I want you to please introduce the guest for us. Well, you guys may know her as uh, the new voice of the Jazz at the Deseret News. Uh, she has worked in sports writing for a while. I remember reading that initial post. She talked about being around in, during the media, the Warriors' meteoric rise, um, and that that's super cool, man. Somebody who's there to witness that firsthand. That's I find that kind of awesome. And then, you know, she was in Philly, so she got a lot of Ben Simmons experience. The one and only, the venerable Sarah Todd at NBA Sarah. Thanks for having me on, guys. I'm excited to be here. Good, good, great. Well, you're on the road with the Jazz right now. Um, uh, you know, we we scheduled this podcast for you to get to your hotel room and um, uh, sit down and talk with us uh, about this uh, Jazz who are are on uh, en fuego right now, as they say. Yeah, I should actually note that I was more excited about this before I found out that one of you was a 49ers fan. But I guess <laughs> I guess we'll do with what we have. Seahawks fan or what? Packers. I was going to say Packers oh, fan. <laughs> Green Bay, huh? Oh, yeah. all right. Well, uh, we, we'll let the audience decide who they're cheering for um, after the podcast. So, <laughs> Honestly, it could really go either way. They're both pretty good teams. Well, uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, yeah, we'll definitely get to that um, uh, later in the interview here. So, uh, Like I said, the Jazz are running uh, running away with a 10-game uh, win streak. Uh, not only that, they, they're, uh, I want to say, 15 out of 16 games. Uh, the only loss in that span is a three-point loss to the Heat, which means that one point in the season, the Jazz were 13 and 12. If um, Jared, if you can remember that far back, and the the ants, the the, the how, how antsy the Jazz fans felt being 13 and 12, and I want to say like sixth or seventh in the West. Uh, people were mad. They were upset. That's the words were said. <laughs> yeah, but, when uh, I actually when I first got here, it was. Uh, yeah, you're part of the this ten, latest win streak, right? Yeah, the 10-game win streak is the games that I have been present for on the beat. And uh, before I got here, people were freaking out. They're like, oh, what do you think, Sarah? What's wrong? And I'm like, I don't really see that much wrong. It's just early. It's really early season. Everybody pump the brakes just a little bit. And then, obviously, I showed up on the scene, and that is what has caused the winning, I'm sure. Now, I mean... To be fair, Jared is a huge proponent of outside forces being uh, the reason for the Jazz winning. He um, uh, he's a huge Baby Yoda Avi fan, so um, as uh, he should be. <laughs> hey, she's on my side. What did you say to that? Who? I I just said that um, uh, Jared is a huge fan of outside forces being the reason for the Jazz winning streak. So you act like you're not part of the mockery in that in that group uh, group. 
group text we have. I have never mocked it. I just don't care enough, and you bring it up a lot <laughs> in the group text. You bring it up a lot. All right. No. Yes. So um, uh, so part of the get jazz game win streak, um, as we talked about, uh, we've talked about this many episodes, uh, Jared. Uh, the jazz. The, the, this is the soft part of the schedule, quote unquote, soft part of the schedule. Uh, a lot of teams that are at or below 500, um, a lot of teams that the Jazz should be favored to win, correct? Man, that, Sarah watches more NBA than I do. I, I want her opinion on that. Yeah, right? I've, I've, absolutely. This has been the soft part of their schedule. Because if we look ahead, I think that it's. Uh, January 25th is when things start to really pick up for them because in a row they've got like Mavericks, Rockets, Spurs, Nuggets, Blazers, Nuggets, Blazers, Rockets, Mavericks. It's like this huge Western Sw- Conference yeah. swing that's full of teams that have a lot of firepower. And a lot uh, of playoff and you're just talking teams. Like, exactly. You're just talking like back-to-back like Luka, Harden, Lillard, and then Luka, Harden, Lillard again. And so those are going to be rough teams. Right. And, and, you know, I, I get that um, uh, the Jazz haven't played, you know, the toughest opponents in this win streak, but it's just, it's so disingenuous for people to discount it saying, oh, you know, it's because they're playing non-playoff teams. But everybody has, like, look look at the Celtics tonight. They lost to the Detroit Pistons, a team that the Celtics probably shouldn't lose to. Uh, the, the Lakers are down to a Magic team, a, a team the Jazz beat in their stop part of the schedule twice. Uh, Damian Lillard hooked the Jazz up by beating Houston. Right. So these are all considered bad loss, bad losses by their fan bases, right? Because those things happen. Like it's hard to win ten games in a row in the NBA, regardless of who you play. Uh, you can play, you know, Golden State right now, ten games in a row, and the odds are that you would lose one of those games. I would say. I so, don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty bad. <laughs> I mean, I mean, but I mean, sir, you watch those games. Well, I guess if the you're Jazz the Houston played. Rockets, though, you might lose nine. Yeah, of those games. <laughs> right, right. I mean, the the Jazz um, uh, played the Warriors twice this season and escaped with victories both times. But when I say escape, they escaped. They had to play their starters the full game. You know. Yeah, so. you're absolutely right. I mean, there's like two ways to look at it. There's like uh, the general fan consensus is when you lose to one of the like sub 500 teams, then you're like, that was a winnable game. We should have won that game, but there's so much context to every NBA game. It's like, okay, well, was it at the end of a road trip? Did the gate, did the, team that they were playing have one, two, three days of rest before? Were they coming off a back to were they coming off a loss? Because teams play completely different game to game. And so you're right, like, you know, to win ten in a row is very difficult. And I think the like the objective way to look at it is like ten wins is ten wins. There's any way that you can rack up wins in that column and help yourself in positional seating going towards the playoffs, get them. It doesn't matter if they're against lesser teams because it's not going to matter until you're actually matched up with someone. Yeah, it doesn't win if, matter if you win by an inch or a mile, right? Winning is winning. Exactly. Dominic Trio. So not only um, uh, did Sarah um, uh, join the Jazz during uh, this win streak, but she also went back and watched, I want to say, the f- uh, 30 NBA ga- thirty Jazz games to get caught up on the season. What was that yeah. like, Sarah? It was 
that was different. <laughs> that was an, that was an experience. It was a choice I made. Um, yeah, it was 30 games. I got through them in about a week and a half. And that's a really interesting way to watch NBA because I mean, I watch games every day, but it's all different teams and at different times. And this was just like, all right, I'll wake yeah. up and I'll watch like, three games of the jazz and then I'll have lunch and then I'll try to sneak in two more. And so I was just trying to get in as many as I could a day and it was back to back to back, but it, it really gave me, I feel like, like a rounded visual of each player. Cause instead of seeing them, you know, and waiting a night or two to watch them again, mm. I was seeing like it all in a row. And so I don't know. It was that's different. Really cool. That's really cool. I wonder if that's, I thought that almost sounds like you're breaking down film. That's awesome. Yeah. I actually, I, I do like to watch game tape and do stuff like that a lot. So that's my, my NBA nerd is showing right now. <laughs> yeah. Jazz oh, fans, uh, Jazz fans, if if you want to um, uh, do something in the business, stop uh, binge watching Netflix and just binge watch NBA games. That's how you do it. <laughs> I, I don't think that's the that's the route. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, so you saw a lot of things. I remember you tweeting out that uh, I mean, when Jeff Green got weighed, it was a, a shock to us all. And um, um, I don't know, did, were, were you on the beat before the Jazz uh, waved Jeff Green, or uh, was that right before? I was technically in Utah, but that happened when they were on the road. It was before the first game that I covered, but I was, I had already been hired. Right. Okay. Okay. And so, so like, you probably watched the game then. Yeah. I'd already watched the games. Yeah. So, um, uh, and like, I, I think I saw you tweet out something like, um, uh, that the Jeff word, Green was going. The word, the word that I used was woof. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and it, it, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I, it was just um, like through what I'd seen, I had been making notes about like different players. I'd made a lot of notes about Bojan and how I didn't think that he was getting enough respect and made notes about how Royce O'Neal actually plays transition defense, where it's kind of like this, this term and phrase that we throw out in the NBA world and coaches say it all the time, but like, what does that actually look like? And Royce, Royce O'Neal actually plays defense in transition rather than just getting back and getting in front of his guy. And, uh, and the note that I made next to Jeff Green's name was woof because it did not <laughs> look great. Like there was not a lot of good things I could say about it. I think that, I think to date he still is like the third leader on the jazz this season for like offensive fouls. And that's after he's wow. been gone now for a few games and it's, it's it was just not great. Yeah. That one. Um, uh, so, I mean, like as soon as the waving happened, uh, we, we did a podcast, he talked about it and it was just weird. Cause like maybe I just held on to this belief that I thought Jeff Green was going to help the jazz. Um, and we're here maybe two weeks later and it's like, all right, cool. Wait, can I, can we're, I stop you for a second? Can, sure. can we talk about the more important reason we did that podcast? The XM trade, but yeah, well, there you go. Let, let, let me finish the, <laughs> let me finish the thought first. Um, and like, we talked about how I, like, I thought Jeff Green was going to be, you know, so, so great for the jazz. I thought he was a great signing in the off season. He had a great preseason and then he got on the court and like, we're seeing all this data now that all these Jeff Green lineups, where he like it was just weird how like one player it feels like just one player like he's like real really the reason the jazz bench 
looks a lot better now. Like addition by subtraction, I believe either Jared or Keegs um, said on the podcast. So yeah, we kept repeating that like over and over. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so I mean, uh, during this, uh, like now that we're in the mid season, Sarah, what do you see now from the jazz that wasn't happening earlier in the season? Was it chemistry? Is it Jordan Clarkson? Is it baby Yoda? What is it? I think that there's a few things. So one of it is just like pure chemistry, understanding where guys are going to be when they come off screens, what spots they like to shoot from. And that's going to come when you bring like a bunch of new players onto a team in any situation. So that's not surprising that that took a little bit of while to kind of like iron out. And then I think the, the ball movement has been really important, especially over the last like that 15 out of 16 that they've won. The ball has been moving a lot more and I'm sure that you guys are going to want to get into this, and so I will segue for you, but I think that that ball movement will increase even more when Conley does come back because there's still some times that it gets a little stagnant, and I know that there's a lot of concerns about Conley. I know a lot of people are not excited about him coming back, but I really do think that it's going to be a good thing for the team. Uh, Another thing that I think that has been going well lately is just guys are settling into the season and sometimes in NBA seasons guys come out to a really hot start and then they have like kind of a slog period in the middle. But most of the time it's like you settle in, you've got some weird wins and losses at the beginning of the season and then things start to kind of even out and you see what the team is actually going to be. I think that's what we have right now. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. So, I mean, again, this is a hard question and I'm sorry you're asking, but everybody wants to know, where do you think? Uh, what do you think happens with Mike Conley when he comes back? Who goes to the bench, and how do they fit him in when he when he comes back from his injury? Yeah, I think uh, right now the way I I think this can go. There's a couple of answers here. So initially, my first reaction is to say that it's going to push Royce to the bench, and I think it's also important to note that like the starting lineup is not always as important as we always like we make it to be in the NBA because, you know, depending on how a coach wants to stagger his lineups, that's that changes after the first seven minutes. And then through that, they're playing, you know, three of the starting unit and two of the bench players or vice versa. And Mm. so it's not really that big of a deal. I think a bigger deal is who's going to close the game. And that's going to be completely matchup determined. And so if, you know, they're wanting to like get some big open looks and they're working in that direction and they'll have Conley on the floor, but if it's going to be like really defensive, if there's like a, a bigger three, four guy that they need somebody to like lock down on defense down at the end of the game, then they're going to want Royce in the game at that point. Um, I think the only reason that I'm saying that Royce is going to be the one that's moved over to the bench is just purely the way that Joe Ingles has been playing with Rudy Gobert lately. Obviously their pick and roll dynamic is amazing. Um, and no one wants, you know, I don't think there's anyone in the NBA that is going to look at the way that Joe and Rudy have been playing lately and say like, Hey, let's stop this right now. That's, I don't think that that's going to happen. Yeah. Um, and as, like, as uh, jazz I, fans, I would, I would say that we, I'm sorry, who didn't mean to tread on no you. Go ahead. Um, so I would say as jazz fans, we know that dynamic very well, having had Derek favors at the four and him subbing out early and then basically playing the majority of his minutes as backup center. And so I think you're completely right on that. That's just sounds like spot on analysis to me. Right. 
And like, I mean, last year we saw it like Con or Conley. Um, oh shoot, uh, Jay Crowder. Excuse me, Jay Crowder uh, edited the game a lot. Yes, the dreaded Ricky Rubio. No, oh, no, no. I mean, uh, the Jazz ran Jay Crowder a lot, and uh, as the last the the last four, right? Because right. the you know it's not always who starts, it's who ends the game. And uh, just like Sarah said, that's that's sort of something that we heard a lot from uh, everybody last year. Uh, what's interesting to me is that. Yeah, so when Conley comes back, I, I do agree, sir. I think Royce O'Neal is the most logical choice to be the one coming off the bench. Um, but we, we've seen uh, the Jazz have a surge in offense uh, with Donovan and Joe as their main ball handlers. Um, if you add Mike Conley in there, that's the third ball handler. Plus, you have Bojan, who's not necessarily a ball handler, but he's a guy that does need to get you know enough touches to stay in rhythm of the game. And so it's interesting to see how Coach Snyder does um, uh, finagle the minutes here for for uh, the rotations because it feels like, and again, I'm just a layman, that Donovan, Joe Ingles, and Rudy Gobert work re- really well together and that Boyan's numbers have dipped since Mike Conley been out. So maybe Mike Conley and Boyan play together um, uh, maybe with bench units or vice versa. But again, I, I don't know if that's how it's going to work out. That's just a theory that I put out there and I know that other people on Twitter have also have same sentiments about it as well yeah it's possible that's the that's the way that they go but it's i mean for a a a reference point that you know i'm using for myself because it's familiar i look at it like the jazz have multiple playmakers and multiple ball handlers which you could look at as a problem but i look at it coming from the other side from covering the sixers where they also have multiple playmakers, multiple ball handlers. The only reason it didn't work and is still kind of not working for them is because the playmakers that they do have, not all of them can shoot threes. I think that we know who we're talking about right now. And <laughs> shot across when, the bow. <laughs> and but everybody on the Jazz can shoot the ball. That's not going to be the problem. And so when you're when you have multiple ball handlers and playmakers that can also space the floor, that doesn't run into the same problem that you would have if you have guys that like need to touch the ball, but can't space. Oh, that's interesting. See? Yeah. Oh, Uh, I'm loving (laughs) this part. I'm learning all kinds of things. Uh, moving on to, so the jazz are going for their 11th, uh, win tomorrow, straight win tomorrow against the new Orleans Pelicans, who it feels like we just played like last week. Um, this will also be, <laughs> this will also be, uh, the, the, uh, the third game on a road trip, the last game on a road trip for the jazz. Um, last time the jazz played the, the Pelicans in new Orleans. Um, it was obviously the, the controversial Brandon Ingram layup at the end of the game that was later deemed a foul by the last two minute report. Um, but ever, uh, like when that game happened, the Pelicans were on a little four out of five win streak. They were looking pretty good, but looking at the injury report for tomorrow's game, uh, JJ Reddick is questionable. Um, Jaheel Okafor is probable. Drew Holiday out. Derek Favor probable. Ingram, uh, probable. Zion Williamson, who people thought might play, will actually be out for tomorrow's game against the, the Pelicans. Um, do we expect to see the Jazz? Uh, were you on that road trip, uh, Sarah? Uh, I was. Okay. Like, I remember the game. I remember the Jazz came out really sluggish in the first half, and it just it felt to me one of those, this is the last game of a road trip. They've been on the road. They're a little weary. They're a little tired. 
Uh, did you get that sense from the last game, or am I just seeing things that aren't there? Am I seeing no, ghosts? Absolutely. And the guys even admitted it afterwards. They were like, you know, their legs weren't under them the same way that they'd been on the first two games. And that happens all the time in the league. They're, the last game of a road trip is even when guys don't want to admit it, because we're talking about like premier athletes, you know, and they don't want to admit that they're tired. But that happens on the last game of a road trip because travel is not easy. I mean, if you asked me to go and do anything right now, I'd probably scream at you and just like curl up in a ball. <laughs> so the fact that they're actually going to play 48 minutes of NBA basketball is already impressive. <laughs> but, um, yeah, they're, they came out a little off. Um, again, there's so much context and narrative surrounding this game that I don't think that that can be ignored. That the way that the last game ended last week against the Pelicans – that's definitely going to be fueling these guys and they're going to remember that and they're going to want to get revenge. This is going to be like a revenge game for them. And, um, you know, uh, also I'll peel back a little bit of like NBA terminology. The, when these teams turn in their injury reports every day, um, uh, the day before a game, the injury report could almost mean nothing. Um, but the technical words for it is if a guy is questionable, it means it's a 50, 50 chance. If a guy is probable, it's 75% that he'll play the game. And then obviously out or available, those are obvious. And so that's kind of the way that you look at it. So questionable, the word sounds worse than it actually is. I've seen many, many times guys that are questionable the day before a game and then day of game, they're fine and they're available. Um, uh, but I think also, because I wrote about this today, it was rumored that Zion Williamson could have been making his debut tomorrow against the Jazz. That's since been not announced to not be the case. Zion Williamson will be debuting on January 22nd against the Spurs. But the news that he's coming back, I think, is also going to be kind of fueling the Pelicans. They're going to be like, you know, we're not out of things. They could possibly go on a run. And so they're still going to want to be racking up wins leading up to his impending return. So there's a lot of stuff, you know, emotional and energy wise, that's going to be fueling the Pelicans. Meanwhile, the jazz, there's a lot of pressure to kind of keep the win streak going. And the longer a win streak goes, the higher that pressure is. And sometimes guys don't deal with that very well. Um, Plus, I think the I think that the Pelicans are coming off like an overtime win over against the Pistons, and those always seem to get guys a little bit more juked up than just regular regulation wins. So, so the Jazz can't do what they did last game and come out on the tired again because it sounds like a it could be. I mean, the Pelicans are a tough out. The Pelicans are not a, a bad team. I mean, they have they don't have a great record, but uh, we've seen them a couple times. And Brandon Ingram is playing at an All Star level right now. Uh, like the game against the jazz, He's he was incredible, man. Yeah. So, uh, I said this on a, a recent sportscaster that Brandon Ingram may not get the all-star bid because of the Pelicans record, but he is playing definitely like an all-star. So, yeah, I think, I mean, there's been enough national attention on the Pelicans that it's possible that, uh, he does get a nod for the all-star game. I would, I wouldn't be surprised if he makes the team. Um, but he has been playing just out of his freaking mind lately. Do you think uh, Brandon Ingram takes uh, a spot over Rudy Gobert or Donovan Mitchell? I don't know. I've been talking to some of the voting media members lately, and uh, I'm—I know that 
um, the coaches are the ones that get the votes for reserves. But from everything that I'm hearing, uh, it is actually looking pretty good for Mitchell and Gobert. Uh, people are recognizing really? what they're doing. And I, I'm pretty sure that I might be wrong on this, but I'm sure that voting closes on like the 20th of January. And so the fact that the Jazz are like the hottest team in the NBA right now and they're on the streak, it's like it's peaked attention for everyone in the league. You know, coaches are paying more of attention when they're game planning and uh, their scouts are also looking at the team and noticing that what's going on. And so all of those conversations are happening right before the all-star voting is over, which is really, really good timing for the jazz because like, you know, if they were going through a losing streak, you know, January 6th through 20th, you know, that would be terrible for them. And I might have a different opinion, but right now it looks they're doing everything right at the right time to possibly get both of those guys in. Right. Yeah. I think, um, uh, the, I think the January 20th deadline is like the fan voting ends. And then obviously they f- figure out who the coaches, uh, is going to be, uh, the coach of the Lakers. I can't remember. <laughs> just escapes my mind who it is right now. Um, and then they, Vogel. They, yes, thank Frank you. Vogel. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Um, uh, uh, Frank Vogel gets like another week to choose the, the reserves. I think I'm, I'm not quite positive on that, but I think that's how it is. But yeah, you're right. The, the, like I am a proponent that seating this early in the season doesn't really matter much. Cause number one, everybody's within a game or two of each other. But if you're going to streak, and you want guys in the All Star Game? It's a good time to streak. Um, uh, and Jared, I, you're, I heard you get super excited that hearing that Donovan and Gobert might. But remember, this this happened last year. Um, it sounded like Gobert was a lock to be an All Star last year, and that didn't happen. Stop burning on my parade. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just, I'm just saying. Let's uh, let's not count those hitch, uh, chickens before they hash. Like, I mean, personally, it feels like chickens. Yeah. First of all. All I have to say is you didn't let me do my, do my comic book guy best episode ever comment right after Sarah said that. So, so no. I'm just getting that in now. <laughs> I agree. Right. <laughs> but, um, yeah, like, I mean, if case okay, say the jazz only get one all-star Jared, who do you think it is this year? Is it, is it Mitchell? Uh, Who's having a good year, or is it go Rudy. Rudy. I'd go with Rudy. Yeah. I think that they'd give it to Rudy. I mean, after the snub last year. No, I mean, like, I mean, I mean, not they, who you predict. Who do you think deserves it more this this year? No, just no, no, This no, year no. alone, not not last year. Uh, but who this do year I alone. think deserves it? Or who do I think they'll give it to? Yeah, who do you think deserves it this year? Just based off this year's Rudy? play alone, Rudy. I mean, you, see, you saw this win streak, right? Rudy. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I, I'm not disagreeing. I just, uh, I just think that Donovan Mitchell uh, made a really strong case too that it was hard to choose like one or two. Like for a while, like. Maybe he did, which is ago. why I think that he'd get the nod over Booker. I don't know what's, if Sarah thinks that, but I do. I mean, I think that Mitchell would get the nod over Booker just because, you know, coaches like to look at records, um, and that would give him an edge. And I'm pretty sure that, you know, uh, if you're going to look at the defensive side of things also, Booker's not going to be anywhere near Mitchell and, and those right. advanced statistics. But... Um, it's, I mean, if you're, if you're choosing one over the other, I can't, I really don't know what the choice would be. Deserving would probably be Rudy probable. Um, I don't know. I just, I kind of feel like people might be paying more attention to Mitchell. I think so too. 
I think you're right because all star game is about offense. Yeah, yeah. It's hard. Um, uh, Jabber Jazz did make a very good point today, though. He's like, you know, the the all star game is an offensive game until about the, like the fourth quarter, last five minutes of the fourth quarter, where they really locked down on defense and because somebody wants to you know win. having yeah. yeah having a guy like Gobert in there could make a difference. So. Um, really yeah. locked down on defense is a little bit of an exaggeration. It's yeah. like yeah. they go from playing like absolutely zero defense to like just a little tiny bit. Yeah, yeah, these aren't the all star games of the 90s. <laughs> so, uh, I don't know if that's good or bad. We'll see. So, <laughs> uh, uh, Sarah, so I'm um, uh, as uh, Jared mentioned earlier, you come from um, different beats here. Uh, you said the most recent beat was Philadelphia. Yes, that's right. All right. Well, what's it like um, uh, coming from um, uh, the Philadelphia beat to the Jazz? Or how did that come about to go from Philadelphia to Utah? Uh, well, I, I'm i from California. I'm from a small town in California, Paradise, which is famous now for the town that burned down in November of uh, 2018. And so after, after the fires happened and the season was winding down after the playoffs, I was kind of getting a little bit of an itch to get closer to my family. Uh, and so I kind of made a concerted decision like, Hey, I'm going to try to get, um, in back into the Western conference just so I can be a little bit closer. And, um, yeah, long story short, um, I did. And here I am. And as far as what it's like coming from Philly, I mean, man, that's a weird team. That was the weirdest cover of my life. (laughs) <laughs> I don't think that I'll cover. I don't think I'll cover a team. I mean, within a year, we dealt with Burner Gate with Brian Colangelo and with Markel Fultz's disappearing shot and all of the drama that went with that. It was, it was really bizarre, um, and there were so many hoops to jump through and so many weird like scandals and constant things that are really strange. And you know, their their point guard doesn't shoot threes and so that was a constant conversation and dealing with that it always felt like there was something that was like oh oh boy what's going to happen today like what weird thing are we going to find out before we go to this practice or this game um and so it is very nice to come to a team where like it seems like everyone likes each other and everyone's nice (laughs) and and like everything is very calm um i'm hoping that i'm not jinxing it by saying that um (laughs) But it's it's been really nice, and I love being back in the Western Conference. I love being closer to my family in California, and uh, I've just really enjoyed everything so far. Did you hear the uh, the low post, uh, the little blurb from about Joe Ingles and Gail Miller? I have not listened to it yet. It's you like can, a little five-minute blurb. Yeah, yeah, it's a little five-minute blurb, and basically ownership played a joke on Joe acting like, he had hurt her when he jumped. He apparently he jumped when he jumped for a loose ball. He sort of landed on her, but she already had a knee problem. She's going to get surgery for, and that just moved up the timetable, apparently. And so he was freaking out. But oh my god! He, yeah, right. They played a little joke <laughs> on him, and then they all laughed, and he laughed too, and he was just like, "Oh man." <laughs> and so yeah, right. You don't worry. You can't jinx it. They like this. I don't know. I don't think you can mess with this the, the way the jazz are. I mean, that's just like such a good example of what I'm talking about. Where like that actually would have probably happened in Philadelphia, and like here it was like a fun little prank. Right. 
that, which is crazy. Like we cannot imagine like stuff like that being. I mean, we can imagine. I don't. We don't want to give you a crash course on the the Greg Miller days as the president of the Jazz, but there was more drama back then. <laughs> um, I mean, but like, just imagine like I'm covering the team, and like the way that the whole like burner gate thing unfolded was like I was sitting at home. It was a quiet night. I was watching. I don't know some sort of crap on Netflix, and <laughs> I'm like. Uh, scrolling through my timeline and I see like the big notification that's coming up is like Ben Simmons is dating Kendall Jenner and I'm like oh god are we gonna have to deal with this now like this is a thing that we've got to deal with and (laughs) like as I'm looking through that stuff I get an email about the ringer story that's about to come out detailing and I'm like okay, all of a sudden the Kardashian clan is not important. That is not the biggest story of the day anymore. Wow. This, like, this actually might be real. And we start going through, and it was just, it was crazy. It was immediately, I mean, everyone across, like, the media landscape is wondering, like, is this real? How can we find out if it's real? So everybody's on the phone calling everybody they can. I'm talking to players, and they're like, I don't know, man. Like, if this is real, this is this is crazy and it turned out to be real (laughs) this guy had like five different twitter burner accounts and then he ended up throwing his wife under the bus and saying that it was her and uh it was nuts the whole honestly from our perspective as fans it was nuts and we were just watching everything unfold on twitter basically and people doing like twitter detective work or whatnot i'm sure you've seen that kind of stuff yeah stuff twitter online. was amazing that night that was that it was, was real it? solid work by Ooh, twitter that goodness. night they put they put in some real hours that night <laughs> yeah for, for all for all the terribleness of twitter they they paid their dues that night <laughs> absolutely i agree 100 yeah. percent. yeah that's um uh <laughs> that's um uh that's a crazy in Utah. story they they love they love them uh, filled off with tears. So, you know that'd be funny. That'd be like on the level of something like, Don. You remember who do you remember when Donovan Mitchell? They kept talking about how he was like commenting on Zendaya's stuff or whatever. Oh yeah, <laughs> it'd be on the level of like all of a sudden those two start dating and then something else crazy happens and like Utah would go insane. Like the the internet here might melt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like exactly. That's a, that's like a perfect comparison. Like Donovan and Zendaya like start dating, and then twenty minutes later, we find out that Justin Zanuck has been oh, trolling. Right, oh, like that's the situ- that's the situation. Because like the tweets that were the tweets that were linked to those accounts were straight up just bashing his own players. Oh, they were and awful. I remember was, some of those. It was nuts. Yeah. You, you know, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta grease, grease those media wheels in any way you can. Yeah. So, so, um, so uh, coming to the jazz, <laughs> I've it, it has felt so far very relaxing in comparison. It's like <laughs> prayer hands emoji. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> thanks for listening to this episode. Also, thanks to our Utah sponsors, the Off Broadway Theater in downtown Salt Lake, and the Great Room Escape in Layton, Utah. 
If you have a second, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and all other podcast platforms. It helps us podcast out, and we will enter all written five-star reviews into a drawing for free tickets to either the Off-Broadway Theater or the Great Room Escape. Just write a five-star review, and you'll be entered to win. Um. Okay, well then, I guess we kind of want to round out on your time with the Warriors. What was that like, being around that? That's just... That must that have been really, amazing. Yeah, it was really interesting. It was... Um, it was my first NBA stop, and so I was I was learning a lot as I was, you know, getting experience and kind of learning the ins and outs of NBA media and how that whole world and life works and trying to get sources and being like the kind of the rookie on the beat. And but I had a lot of people that sort of became mentors for me out there in the Bay Area, and they were really great. Um and then on the basketball side of things, it was, um, I mean, I had to deal with Mark Jackson for a couple of years, so that was a thing. But um, <laughs> Yeah, that's then, wild. I can't, yeah. I can't believe some of the stories you had to cover with that, like with the, uh, the weird yeah. uh, uh, religious stuff that he did, we'll call yeah. it that. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll leave it at that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he, uh, he's in, he does not guy. like me. Uh, oh yeah we're we're not on good terms we don't like him do you want to know why do we don't like him <laughs> the whole there was a whole john stockton episode <laughs> he used to play for the jazz uh, and he was he behind goes... stock and he trying to turn the team on him so yeah really yeah oh yeah yeah that utah hates him for oh that man reason. well i mean at least that means that utah can rally behind me because absolutely uh, i think I've we marked... love you already Mark Jackson called me a liar on Twitter one day, so. Wow. <laughs> wow. Man, we got to yeah. get you to, like, like we got to get him to actually subtly launch a jab at you during a, a, him calling a game or something, because you, you need that clout. You no. deserve that clout. Oh. I, don't, I don't need that. Stop I don't it. need that in my I'm life. I've already had it. I'm just it. kidding. <laughs> I'm totally uh, kidding. Yeah, so I got to watch the Warriors go from, you know, a very bad team. NBA and doldrums, then, yeah. Yeah, and then in 2015, I covered the championship. Um, and, man, that was crazy. It, and it was um, a lot of the things that I'm, like, seeing with the Jazz right now. It reminds me, like, when you were asking, like, oh, what are you seeing with the Jazz? It's, like, a lot of ball movement, a lot of guys that are really happy for their teammates. And... Those kinds of things cannot be understated in the NBA. I know that it sounds really corny and cliche and kind of like you're just, you know, filling with smoke, but it, it's really true. Like when guys are happy in a locker room and they're happy for each other, it really translates on the court. And you can tell the difference between teams that, you know, have some of those rifts rather than some of those friendships. And gotcha. it's paying off. And it was really beautiful to watch. And, um, a lot of really deserving players and the, you know, watching a championship and watching it be, you know, against that Cavaliers team. It was, it was crazy. And I'm thankful that I, that I was there for it. And that really sounds special. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. I think, and I always tell people, people will say like, um, you know, what's your like favorite thing that you've ever covered or something. And a lot of people, uh, especially like growing up, they would expect me to say like covering LeBron James in a, in a final series because I was like a really big LeBron James fan when I was like in high school and college. Mm-hmm. And, 
but when you're a basketball nerd and a hoops junkie like me, uh, things start to change when you start covering the NBA. And I was there, I was in the building the night that Clay Thompson scored 37 points in a quarter. And I will never, ever forget what that was like, because when you're on press row, uh, you know, you're not celebrating like that's, that's, that's the unwritten rule is like your objective. You don't sit there, you don't celebrate. And it was like, you know, 12, 15, 16 points. And we all kind of started looking at each other and we're like, Oh, he is getting hot. (laughs) Like this is, and then, I mean, he got up into the twenties and then after a whistle, he threw up a shot and that one went in too. And we were like, Holy crap, this is getting weird. And then once it started getting into the thirties, I mean, everybody impressed. We were all standing up and we were like, what is happening? Like, we were just like, it was Everybody's like the ripping whole, their hair out. Oh yeah, the whole arena was just going insane. It was, I, it's the craziest thing I've ever seen. I've never seen somebody play that well. Have you ever heard anything that loud? Like, was it super, super, super loud in there that night? Yeah, it was crazy. I mean, like, it's weird because it wasn't as loud as a playoff game because everyone oh. was so stunned by what was happening that oh, like there okay. were weird moments where it, like it got quiet and it it was just a completely different thing than I've ever seen. That's that amazing. Sound amazing. Oh my goodness. I love this first hand um, accounts of all this stuff. This is awesome. <laughs> Uh, well, hopefully, I'm NBA uh, uh, Sarah is here with us um, uh, a lot to have some Utah Jazz stories about um, uh, what's going on. Um, I did um, uh, take to Twitter and ask some Twitter followers. I'm a uh, hey, we have some questions for for Sarah here. Uh, this is from Ty Evanson twenty. He said, "What's the biggest surprise about the state of Utah so far?" Well, uh, the Jazz have been on the road for like nine of the eleven games, or something like that, or or close to it. And uh, I, so I have spent very little time in the state of Utah since moving to Utah. So I haven't even had enough time to be surprised, but I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> uh, what, what were your thoughts about Utah when you uh, got the job? Like, I, I don't know if you knew a lot about Utah before you got here or um, uh, if you just came in um, uh, not knowing very much or like had ideas about Utah. Like, did anything surprise you or? Yeah. Uh, so, um uh, Growing up, my dad was a long haul truck driver. And so in the summers, I would go on trips with him. And one of the places that we routinely liked to go to was Salt Lake. And so I came here during the summers a lot with my dad. And um, yeah, so I've been here and I knew kind of like what the geography was and had been in the city a little bit. And so it wasn't like a complete new situation to me. And I've never stayed there on a like long-term basis or anything, but I've also come here and like covered games against, you know, Sixers and Warriors. And so I've been here before for basketball too. And so nothing, nothing was a huge surprise or like, it's not like I was walking in blind. Um, but I honestly don't know that much about Utah. And so that's something that I'm really looking forward to, especially this coming off season, like really digging in and like making it my home and uh, learning as much as I can. Well, so we supposedly have the second, I think, I believe it's the second largest basketball arena uh, in the nation, in the Marriott center. I've never been, <laughs> unfortunately, uh, cause I'm not a BYU fan. Uh, you, 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 you tell all the way. Um, but I'm, yeah, I've been wanting to check that out. That should be a fun, that's that's something to check out because you know college sports are huge here. Um, yeah, because... I'm definitely looking forward to that, and I love college ball, and so 
I'm going to definitely make my way out to some games. All right. Uh, this was question comes from Cody Coons, uh, W at WTL eight zero one. What's unique about what Utah is doing different than other teams uh, that you've covered? I think, I mean, we touched on it a little bit just now. I did. I'd mentioned that it's, it's actually similar to what I'd seen with the warriors as far as like culture goes. Um, and then as far as differently, I mean, you do have like, I think Rudy Gobert makes things different than any team in the league because I'm sure that you guys have all seen that, you know, clips strung together of teams that are going into the paint and they'll just, they don't even try to penetrate. Like there's times where Rudy just kind of slides out to maybe a little bit outside the restricted area. And if he's in like a nice defensive stance, they'll, they'll just turn and pass out. Even if they could possibly like Euro step around or like make a move, it's like, they're completely afraid. And I think that that creates a, like a, a situation and an environment that is a little bit different from every other team, because I don't know that there's a guy that hangs out in the paint like that across the league that people are that scared of. Yeah. True that. True that. I mean, we, we just saw it against the nets. Uh, people have been yeah, circling exactly. that clip around there. Um, uh, from, uh, Tommy A. Johnson, um, he wants to know where you go to university. Where did you go to, uh, school, your university, who, who's been your best interview of your career so far? And what's your favorite question to ask during a post game presser? All right. That's a lot of questions. Um, (laughs) uh, I guess we'll go reverse order. Uh, favorite question to ask in a post game interview. I, I don't think that there's really a thing. That's not a thing because, uh, every game is different and every storyline is different. And so um, I'm never going in thinking like, oh, I'm I'm going to ask the same question every night. It all depends on the night. It depends on the story that I'm writing. If I'm writing about the game, if I'm doing some sort of analysis or if I'm working for something else for a different day. Um, my favorite questions to ask are the ones that get good answers. And so I don't know it until after the fact. Mm. Uh, uh, what was the second question? Uh, he asked about what's, who's been your best interview of your career so far? Uh, you know, I've had, uh, a few guys that have sat down and talked with me at length. Uh, actually one of them will be seeing, uh, possibly tomorrow against new Orleans is, uh, JJ Reddick. Um, mm. and he gave, he always would give me, uh, some really quality time and he would give me quality answers and he would, you know, take his time to talk in depth about the things that I was asking. And one of the stories that I wrote last year was about, um, he kind of offhanded at practice one day had said, uh, yeah, I'm kind of like a, a pirate in the NBA. And he's like, if you guys remember, you know, pirating music like off like Kazaa or LimeWire. And I was like, oh, I'm, I'm old enough to know this reference. <laughs> oh my goodness, I get that. I recognize those. We both recognize those. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, uh, okay, I, I'm, we're old. Yes. We both yes, understand that. And so exactly. a few days later I started asking him like, all right, let's, let's talk about this. Like, who are you stealing from? And then over the next like few months, we had <laughs> multiple conversations about, you know, the guys that he was trying to steal moves from. And then I would talk to those guys about it. And so it just turned into this like ongoing Whoa. conversation that was really good. And it was a good story. Yeah, that sounds really cool. And, uh, the first question, where did I go to university? Which time? 
I, let's see. I started out at San Diego State. I was there when Kawhi was there. Oh. And, uh, and then I left San Diego State and I moved to Norway and I went to the Norwegian University of Science and Technology, which sounds really like techie, but it's not. It's a full university and I studied literature there. So. Oh, that's super cool. <clears throat> but it looked like Hogwarts and that was amazing. Oh, <laughs> dude, that sounds incredible. And, uh, and then I moved Googling back to that the, after the fact, <laughs> I moved back to the States and I went, I went, um, after I graduated with a literature degree from NTNU and then I went to San Francisco state for journalism school and I was in the Bay area, which is why I started covering the Warriors. Gotcha. Interesting. Oh, all right. Well, cool, cool, cool. Uh, that's awesome. So what, um, uh, when did you decide you wanted to become, uh, a uh, a sports reporter. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I played basketball all growing up and I played, um, I played in high school and then I played in college a little bit. I played when I was in Norway and I always loved basketball and I went to college and studying literature because I knew that I wanted to be a writer, but I was like too dumb to put those two things together by myself. <laughs> and it wasn't until I moved back to the States after I lived, uh, in Europe and it was, you know, my family and friends because I was, you know, I was 24, I 25, and I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And all of them were like, well, you want to be a writer and like, you won't ever shut up about basketball. So like, why don't you mix those two? And I was like, wow, that's a really good idea. I can't believe I never thought of that. And then that's when I went to journalism school and it was just like immediately at journalism school, I was like, yes, this is it. This is what I was meant to be doing. And it's been a dream since then. Awesome. Uh, what, what position did you play in high school or college and all the above? Yeah, well, uh, growing I I got really tall really early. Uh, mm-hmm. I was like 5'10 by the time I was like in, I don't know, 8th, ninth grade, something like that. And so I was playing forward center when I was younger. And then after that, everybody else was sprouting up. And I was on teams with girls who were like 6'2". And so I ended up playing like uh, sort of a, like a mixed guard, a three. Combo guard. or Okay. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Small, small forward. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The position Kawhi plays. From yeah. SDSU. <laughs> yeah, and I was more of a defensive player than anything, so another connection. Awesome. That is really cool. Cool. You have some more of those questions, who? No, I think um uh, we 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 we've kept Sarah long enough. She's she's on the road covering the Jazz. Oh, she's true. in New Orleans. Um, uh, this has been great. You know, I, we have a lot more to talk to you about, Sarah, but guess what? I would love to have you come back on. We can do this another time. Maybe, maybe when the Jazz are on a 20 game win streak, who knows? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'd be happy to come back on. I was glad to talk to you guys. If, uh, a, if we never lose again, it's because of Sarah. Yeah. I mean, I that's true. <laughs> the Jazz are undefeated because Sarah has been um, on with us. Uh, thanks for, um, uh, um, uh, we can um, uh, read your stuff on Deseret News, right? Yeah, you can read all my stuff at Desert.com. You can follow me on any of the social medias at NBA Sarah. Um, yeah, that's probably it. You wrote a great article. I can't remember what it was, but I loved it. Um, uh, do you have a favorite article yourself that you've written so far about the Jazz? Uh, I don't know. I did, I did like writing about the um, binging through the 30 games. Um, oh, yes. Yeah, so- I mean, your piece, uh, you wrote the piece on uh, Joe Ingles and the wildfires. Is that right? 
Yeah. And that, you know, that I had a personal connection to that because, you know, I've, you know, have dealt with wildfires taking things and uh, destroying things that I love. And so uh, it was a meaningful conversation for me to have with him. And so I let, that was a good one. Yeah. That's a, that's a really cool personal connection. Like, I mean, it's, it sucks that you've had to have a personal connection to that kind of thing, but, but to be able to connect with the subject matter in that way probably was pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But thank you for joining us again. Thanks for staying up late with us. Um, uh, and, uh, hopefully um, uh, the jazz game goes well. And, uh, the, when you get back to Utah, uh, and hopefully in the off season, you can start exploring the great state of Utah. And uh, uh, we love that you interact with fans. Thanks for, for uh, joining us again. Um, you can follow her at NBA Sarah, which is a cool Twitter handle. You get, you know, just NBA Sarah. That's, uh, you know, of all the unique handles on, on Twitter, you get your first name in NBA. That's pretty, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. I've branded myself. Well, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. You did a really good job with that. <laughs> Good luck, I'm a Jared, to you 49ers. Go to Distance49 on Twitter. They, they, um, you're not supposed to bring that up anymore. She's all oh, right. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. I, 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 that's right. I usually am. A, I usually congratulate him. He on usually this. throws it in at the end, and I'm just yeah. like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, wow, how embarrassing for you. Yeah. Well, I mean, because personally, I don't. I don't. I mean, I I enjoy football to an extent. No, don't fans, try to walk out of this right now. I, well, I, I was, <laughs> was going to tell a story real quick that I, I don't, um, uh, I, without fantasy football, I don't we have, say, we I don't say, have, great, uh, great, 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 right? Well, no, without fantasy football, I don't care, you know, like I don't, oh, I don't watch it. And, gotcha. um, like the jazz played the warriors on a Sunday at one thirty, Right. And I'm sitting, I'm tweeting about the jazz on Sunday at one thirty. My buddy, she's yeah. back at me. He goes, you know, you're missing a great chiefs, uh, chiefs Texans game. And I go, Oh, oh yeah. And that game was insane. I, 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 I went, I went, oh yeah, I forgot I was on. I don't care because I didn't. So, you know, uh, my home is my guy, man. I mean, I, I, <laughs> I'm sitting here on Sunday watching a, uh, a quote unquote meaningless Utah jazz regular season game versus probably the best playoff game that we've had all year or in a while. So I don't know. Hey, there, there are no meaningless basketball games. That's uh, hey, hey, she's hey. right. She's right about yeah. that. I was flipping uh, back and forth. That's what I said. <laughs> I said, quote unquote, you know, so, yeah. <laughs> you're uh, like, no, yeah. you know, he's that, Again, now uh, he's going to yeah. use verbiage to, to <laughs> um, uh, folks. You can follow him on the Twitter page at jazz high notes. We also have Instagram, which Jared runs at jazz high notes as well. Um, uh, I'm at who transit man on Twitter again. She's NBA Sarah. She writes for Desiree news that she covers the jazz. Uh, thank you guys for joining and we'll see you guys next time. Yeah. You do. You're, you're, you're like taking David Locke's thing, you know? <laughs> no, it's, that's not the same. Okay. Add this whole bumper thing. <laughs> add Add all of this to the bumper. <laughs>